This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to another episode of Talking Halos. I'm your host today, Jared Timms, and I am joined alongside a couple good friends, good guests of mine, not even guests, co-hosts of mine, Brock Davis and Nate Green. We've gotten this young crew going here, guys. Brock first. How you doing, my guy? Doing good, man. Golf this morning. Heck yeah. Did the best uh, score that I've done so far. I shot an 83 on a par 65, so it wasn't terrible, plus 18. So no. I'm getting there. That's really good. How, I mean, before we even get into it, how much are we golfing here? Because an 83 is not bad at all. Um, Let's see. I think I've golfed probably 10 times in the last, oh, maybe 15 times in the last three months. So like four to five times a month. Yeah, that's pretty good. Wow. For the last few months. Well, let me know if you need a, a partner anytime soon. I mean, I got stuff going on, but I'll drive out there and play around a golf with you. Especially huh? if we're playing some best ball, dude. Heck you yeah. Go back and forth a little bit. Oh, heck yeah. I'll come out there with you. I'll come out there. Nate Green, how you doing, my friend? I'm doing all right. How about you? I am not doing too bad. I'm excited to talk a little bit of Angels baseball. A lot of fun, fun, fun news today. But first, before we get going any further, guys, like always, we have an extremely fun show planned today. And I just want to thank everybody so much for supporting us with this podcast and everything we do here on Talking Halos, following us on all social medias. And if you haven't done that already, we are on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Go follow us there. We do everything on everything now. And Instagram has been a lot of fun. Brock's been having a great time doing that. Me and me and Brock, actually. But yeah, we've been doing a lot of fun stuff on Instagram. If you're not following us there yet, you have to do it. If you like what we have going, please, please, please tell a friend. We'd love it if this podcast spread by word of mouth. And it's, you know, it's it's been doing actually pretty good lately. I, I've I've liked the amount of people that have been listening to the podcast, and it's been going up and up, especially for the off season. And I I, I think we're you know we're really heading into one of the if not the best Angels podcast out there. And I think that you know between the five of us, and you know I know Nate's been joining off and on, and Brock's been kind of off and on, and. Derek's been here and there, and John's been here and there, but between the five of us, we have a solid crew here, and I I really like what we have going on here. So, guys, please, if you could, tell a friend, spread us by word of mouth, subscribe to our podcast. We are basically on every place that a podcast can be as well, and also, if you like what we have going on, please give us a review. If you have any questions, topic ideas, or just want to join us for Talking Fans, we're going to get that going again here real soon. 
If you want to join us for that, please shoot me a message at Jared underscore Tims on Twitter or Brock at BDROX8. And also you can email us at TalkingHalos at gmail.com. I know, I think Dave Martinez, I've, somebody emailed us the uh, earlier today asking to be on and I'm super excited to get talking fans going again. And of course, you can always message any of our social medias and one of us will pick up and say, absolutely, come on, join us for a podcast. I would absolutely love to talk to all of you guys there. First, before we get going any further, we have to pay the bills, so give us one second to do that. What's going on, everybody? I want to tell you about Blue Wire Hustle, a brand new program where you can host your very own podcast here at Blue Wire. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of this program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to our community discord, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. And on top of that, we'll help get your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all other listening platforms. And the best part is, you can get all this for only $15 a month the same rate as other hosting sites would charge you just for the initial setup. So whether you're starting from scratch or have an existing show that you want to grow, Hustle is an open door to leveling up your sporting experience. Acceptance into the program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com slash join. Check out the description box for this episode to find out more, but that's bwhustle.com slash join. And now, Back to talking halos. All right, guys, enough with all these introductions. Let's get this rolling and talk a little bit of Angels baseball. And boys, fellas, we had a trade today, didn't we? We did. We did. Uh, Yes, we did. We did have a trade today. And I don't know how I feel about it. I I, I, will get into it, how I feel about it. But the trade was Alex Cobb coming over from the Baltimore Orioles in exchange at the moment, this things are could change. We don't know that. We don't know exactly the details behind it. It's not official yet. But right now, it's Alex Cobb headed over to the Angels. And it looks like about a little more than half of his contract, which is what he's owed in 2021, which is $15 million. So I would guess probably in between 4 to $7 million, the Angels will be paying on that. So the O's are going to eat that. And the Angels gave up. Jamai Jones, former second rounder in 2016. Let's start off with Brock. How do you feel about this trade? Uh, Personally, I think I'm not a huge fan. I do think that Alex Cobb has potential upside. I would hope to think that it could be a potential Dylan Bundy situation. Uh, But when you look at Alex Cobb's best years, his highest war he's ever achieved was in 2014 with the two and a half. 13 with a 2.3 and 17 with a 2.2 and all those he was right around the 150 to 170 innings pitched one thing i do like about him is he has a pretty high ground ball percentage he's 53 percent ground ball and so i think that that might fit well with our uh, solid you know middle infield and rendon at the corner i think that that would play well with us he's not a super good strikeout pitcher he seems like he could be a potential inning eater especially in comparison to some of the starting pitchers we have had he has a career 388 ERA. The only thing that I'm not a huge fan about this trade is I think we could have potentially got more for Jemai Jones and for return. And especially when I personally I don't think he's going to be in that starting rotation. I think they're personally going to put him in the pen 
which I think is a good spot for him. I think, you know, he has nine years of service time, a career 11 war, so a little bit on average of 1 to 1.5 war a year around that ballpark. I think he would be a good bullpen arm. Personally, he's a righty. It would be kind of nice if he was a lefty. Uh, but, yeah, we get a – I think he's going to be a righty bullpen arm. And uh, I just think – I think we could have got more for Jones. And I think if we were going to give Jones away, we should have given him away for a solidified – starter and i don't know if that's necessarily what we're getting back with this but hopefully either way whether he ends up in the pen or the rotation he can make us not regret this trade for giving away jones for basically a a one-year possible pen arm so yeah yeah no i i I agree with you there there's a lot of different aspects to this trade that i'm not totally happy about at the moment i mean things could play out but nate how do you feel about this trade yeah um not thrilled. I would have loved to see Jamari Jones go to uh, Pittsburgh in a Joe Musgrove trade. Um, would have definitely liked to see that more than getting Alex Cobb. But honestly, you've seen Alex Cobb pitch very good for Tampa Bay. Um, struggled with Baltimore, more of a hitter's park. So maybe getting him in Anaheim, getting back to a, a pitcher's ballpark might really help him get the ball on the ground a lot more with that really good defense the Angels got with Fletch, uh, Rendon, and Iglesias. But um, yeah, just another Angels type of move. Let's go get a number three starter, put a Band-Aid over a broken arm, and it'll be all right. Yeah, I, I agree with you on a lot of interesting things. A point that I want to bring up here that Brock made was the fact that he is a ground ball pitcher. Last At career 53.1 ground ball percentage. And that really plays nicely for what the Angels have up the middle. And in defense in general, and it, me and Nate talked about this on my drive home because we always talk on the phone this seems to be the type of rotation that Manassian is making is let's go out there and play to our strength which is going to be that right side or in the the defense in general with Anthony Rendon who's arguably the best defender best third baseman in the game now Jose Iglesias who's an above average defender at shortstop and David Fletcher at second base who's an above average defender anywhere over there so let's play to our strengths and see if we can work our ground balls and also play to Angel Stadium strengths. I know it's been a slightly above average hitters park lately, but I think that in general, I mean, we we all three of us know Angel Stadium, and we know that it's not a huge hitters-friendly park, and we know that balls go to die some nights out there, especially on cold nights and with the overcast and all that, you know, stuff that goes on. But, yeah, I, I think that Manassian's really making this rotation and to what is going to work really well for the defense. So, yeah, jumping off of that, I, I, I don't know what they're going to do. I don't think they're done yet. I mean, can we both agree that I don't think the Angels are done in the starting rotation? Yes. Yeah, I don't, I don't think they're done. Yeah, I, I see them going to get a minor league uh, free agent, Mike Fultonavich type guy. <laughs> I, think, I think they're going bigger than that. I think that, and it's already been reported that the Angels are still in on Jake Odorizzi. So again, I don't think that they're do- they're done looking at starting pitching yet. I don't think they're going to go out and get Trevor Bauer by any means, but I definitely don't think that they're done with going and getting another starter. And having this depth is actually something that the Angels haven't had in a while. You know, is good depth and that's what Cobb brings I think to the table. Here is some nice depth that you can put him in the pen if you need to. Or you can have them start games. And they have a bunch of guys that can do this. I mean, whether Berea is starting or in the pen, whether Sandoval is starting in the or in the pen, 
whether Pena is starting or in the pen. I mean, we've seen all these guys been able to go multiple innings. And, you know, I think that this is the way that they're going to go. I think that they're going to have a whole bunch of guys who can throw multiple innings and almost piggyback off of each other. You know, we see guys that can go five innings and then throw in Pena for two innings, three innings, and get to the ninth and have a shutdown guy like Ty Buttry or Rysel Iglesias close it out in the ninth. Iglesias' job, don't do that. Leave that to Iglesias. You give up a lot for him. Oh, no, I know. You, it, Iglesias, that's Iglesias' job, and it's, it's, it's his to lose at, at the moment. And you went out and we you solidified the bullpen. I, I agree with that. And you got that back-end piece, which is what the Angels needed. Hint, hint, they blew almost a quarter. They blew a quarter of their games that they that they played in last year. The closers, they didn't, they couldn't, a quarter of the games. Think about if they had, a, it, the Angels are a, a playoff team last year if they blow just half of the quarter of the games. So they, yeah, they've already crazy. solidified that. Uh, so I, I, I don't know. I think, I like the piggyback idea. I really do. I know, Nate, you're not a big fan of that. I, I give Brock a chance to kind of give his two cents on the rotation and where they think, where we think we need to go from here on this whole thing. Yeah, I mean, I I just am trying to stay hopeful and, and looking at, I think, Bundy is a good comparison because I think a lot of us were hesitant when we traded for Bundy as well. And when you look at their past, Bundy's highest war that he ever had was in 17 with a 2.8, and then in 19 he had a 2.4. And so he never went above a 3 war. However, yet uh, last year in 65 innings, which is roughly a third of what he normally pitched, he put up 2 war. So that puts him at pace if he held up between five to six war um, for a whole for a whole season's worth. And so when you look at uh, the comparisons, I, I do, you know, like you said, I really do like the ground ball percentage, but I still think based off of our payroll, we're, we're sitting at about a 192 right now. At least Fangraphs is saying that Baltimore is paying eight of the 15 that were, that Cobb is owed. So that puts us at seven. And obviously, um, you know, nothing is for sure, for sure right now, I don't believe. But if it is, if it does end up being that we owe Cobb $7 million for this year, we're going to be sitting at about $192 million, which is a, which allows us for another $18 million before we hit the threshold. Whether I think we're going to actually hit that threshold, I don't know. But I I do think that I, I see Odorizzi being more of a possibility than a Fultonevich type of move uh, just because I think that this kind of sets us up for that. And I think, you know, I was heavy on Bauer for, for a while and I, you know, I still am a believer that if you have the means that you should always be trying to get the top level. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of controversy around the whole Bauer situation when it comes to whether or not he's, you know, that ace we're looking for. And I, I you know, I, I never disagreed with that. I don't think he is an ace like material on, on a majority of staffs, but he would have been our number one this upcoming year. And I think, you know, still to this day, I still think if we could have got him for the right price, then it would have been worth it. But looking at it now that I think that's out of the question. And so I think the best route we can go from here is getting Odorizzi around 12 to 14 million. And if Artie's worth it, that would still leave us a few million to play with and could potentially get us a low-cost backup right fielder or a low-cost uh, right fielder to play while Adele is waiting to come up, like they've suggested. Um, or maybe even a low-cost bullpen arm to reinforce that bullpen a little bit more. 
but I think with the way that we've been moving and the reinforcements that we've gotten so far with uh, how efficient we've been with our finances so far this offseason, I think that Odorizzi would fit in nicely in that rotation with Quintana and Heaney and Bundy and uh, Canning and Otani. I think that, you know, barring Bauer, I think that could possibly be one of the best combinations we could have ended up with, with, you know, kind of being realistic and realizing you're not going to go out and sign, you know, every single person that you want. Like everybody wanted Paxton and Odorizzi or Paxton and Tanaka. Like those, those possibilities are pretty hard to obtain when there's 29 other teams that all want the same people. So um, I, I personally think we're going to get Odorizzi between 12 to 15 million AAV. I don't know the length of that deal, but I would say at least two. So maybe two for 28 is something I could see being realistic and, and happening within the next week or so, maybe sooner. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree with you there. And, you know, something I want to touch on again that you bring up is the off season that they've had. And it's been, I mean, you look at, the Angels have had the most productive offseason in baseball, correct? Even though over the past two years, especially, minus the Padres, who have gone out and just gotten basically everybody that they wanted, <laughs> or minus the Mets. I mean, I'm honestly not a huge fan of what the Mets have done, but I think the Angels have had the most productive offseason in baseball with who they've added. And I know you can that. throw the White Sox into that mix, too. I feel like they've, yeah. gotten, they've literally just filled their holes with good to above average players yeah no white Sox, white Sox as well but i mean you look at who the angels have added it, it's filled the holes that they've needed and that's something that the angels i feel like have been missing over the past few years is going out and filling those holes that they need and they, granted the angels aren't done they, i think you know you still need an outfielder and you probably still need another starting pitcher now at this point because i think again Cobb goes in the pen but you know, it hasn't been a bad offseason. And again, before we get to, I, I want to grade this trade and we can talk about it a little bit more. Nate, give us, you know, your little two cents, because I know we've talked about the rotation and everything. And how do you see that playing out? Yeah, um, honestly, I I see the trade as a finishing piece to the, to the rotation. I know that's not what Angel fans want to hear. And it's not what I want to hear. But uh, Alex Cobb has never pitched out of the bullpen, not even a postseason game out of the bullpen. Uh, not really a bullpen type of arm either. Really an 88 to 91 guy. Uh, not too much velo. Yeah, he's got a little funk, a little bit of a weirdness to him. Um, you see Quintana was obviously signed to pitch in the rotation. They got Bundy. I don't think they're going to move Heaney. And it really doesn't make sense to move Canning to the bullpen. I mean, you want to develop him, and I think that stunts his development. So um, I, I definitely think the rotation is about done, sadly as that is. Um, I think they go sign a guy to a minor league free agent deal and really got to bolster that bullpen. I think you go get um, one, maybe even two guys to, to really help in that time. Yeah, and that's fair. I could see that too. I really could. And again, it's it's something that the Angels have kind of been hush-hush on. And, you know, this, this is actually something that I think almost happened overnight. I don't think that there was too much talking into it because, I mean, I, I'm going to be honest here with you guys. I hear stuff in the grapevine and there was not a thing said about an Alex Cobb deal. It was something that has always been in the back of my head, like, all right, maybe the Angels can take on a bad deal, maybe get a prospect out of it, or get him for inexpensive, and Cobb was one of those guys that, again, in the back of my head that I thought, but I don't know how, this this trade had to have formulated extremely, extremely quickly for it to happen, because I just, you know, I, I it was not something that a lot of people heard about, if anybody, so I mean, I'll just give you that little bit of a background on that, I, I, I don't think, I, I think that 
it probably happened within 48 hours, to be honest. So, yeah. yeah. Can I, I bring up one question for you guys, too? Because it's kind of an interesting thing to think about. Yep. When's the last time a team has made two separate trades with the same team in the same offseason? That would be three trades with the Orioles in the last two years to this offseason. Just weird dynamic. Yeah, no, that's it's it's kind of funny you bring that up because that was the first thing I thought about was all the play like the Angels have I mean, the Orioles farm system is now about to be the Angels farm system because of everything that they've given up and the Angels have gotten back what two starters and a starting shortstop so it looks like I mean the Baltimore Angels of Anaheim or the Los Angeles Orioles of Anaheim I mean <laughs> it's kind of funny that you that you bring that up so yeah I don't I don't know when that's been it but it's it's kind of a funny funny scenario and. Let's just kind of jump right on to like let's grade this trade. That's that's kind of what I want to do, Brock. I'll I'll start with you. How do you? What's the grade that you give this trade right now as it stands? C plus. Okay, that's fair. Why C plus? Because I think that that's I think it's like the middle ground right now where you know it's kind of unknown where Cobb's going to be sitting positionally, whether he's going to be starting or bullpen, whether or not his potential you know in the past is going to be presented this seat this year i think it has the potential to be a b plus maybe even an a minus and i think it also has the potential to be a double f <laughs> so i think a c plus is kind of right there in that middle where it has some potential upside but as of as it sits right now it's kind of a not not a huge not a huge fan nate um if this is a, a move to get a starting pitcher i think you could could throw a B minus on there, maybe even a B. Uh, Jamai Jones has absolutely no shot of playing for the Angels um, in the infield, and even in the outfield, he's blocked by a lot of a lot of really good outfielders. So I don't, I didn't see him playing. I, that's why I would have loved to see him go in another trade. But as a reliever, you got if this is a guy to go get a, a reliever, I think it's a D D move because he's not a relief pitcher. He's never pitched out of the bullpen in his life. Um, most of these guys probably didn't even throw out the pen in high school or college. So um, I, I just don't see it being a good move as a bullpen option, but as a starting option, it could definitely be a B move. I mean, Jamai Jones isn't going to play. Go get a piece that could actually help you. And if the money's right where we're only paying $4 million, it's not the worst move in the world. Yeah, and okay, so you guys know I am – I am the most optimistic person out there, and everybody knows that on Twitter, and everybody knows that, that I talk to op- optimistic Jared, but I'm over here kind of licking my chops, and you know, the the old longest yard quote, Brucey's time to shine, this is Jared's time to shine right here, because I'm giving this an F, and I, I can't do it. I'm sorry, guys. You gave The Angels just gave up a top 10 prospect in their system who... Granted, Nate makes good points that Jemai's not probably going to play. And the Angels have screwed up his swing. I almost, I think, beyond repair, in my opinion. And I don't know if that's the consensus in, throughout the organization. But I truly believe that they have, in a sense, screwed up his swing almost beyond repair. I, I really hope that the Earls make it right and make him maybe what he could have been. But, I mean, the Angels didn't play Jemai Wright at all with his swing. And, again, I'm giving it an F. You are paying any type of salary to Alex Cobb, who's thrown a total of, like, 65 innings over the past two years. A su- I guess 
in a par starter, an average starter at best, you're gonna pay them, you're gonna pay them five, six, seven million dollars to pitch for you when you need starting pitching. Come on now. Like you can go out and there are plenty, like go get David Price. You probably could have gotten David Price for the same price. And that's not a pun at all. I'm gonna be honest here with you. You go out and find a starter who's been being paid a lot. Johnny Cueto. Who do you rather have? Johnny Cueto or Alex Cobb? And you would have paid a whole heck of a lot less for Johnny Cueto. You know? Yeah. Just my two cents on that. I mean, you could you could have, and you, we've all said this, you could have gotten a lot more for Jemai Jones for the price that you're paying for Alex Cobb to be hopefully a starter for you, in my opinion. And it, it is an unfortunate, and I am the most optimistic person out there when it comes to this tra- these trades, and I don't think I've ever not really liked a trade. And I like Alex Cobb. Let me say that. I like Alex Cobb. I think that the upside is there, and we've mentioned that already. The upside's there for him to be a good starter. It really is. And especially getting somebody out of Baltimore, which the Angels are doing. Like, Jose Iglesias could shine. And we saw Dylan Bundy shine. And Alex Cobb could shine like he, like he did in, in Tampa. But to go and have to pay for this, the amount that you're going to have to pay, and also give up a prospect of Jemai Jones' talent, six years of Jemai Jones for one year of a starter who may not even start for you, that's outrageous. It's outrageous in my opinion, and I don't know if you guys have any rebuttals on this or not, but that's just my two cents on this. The only thing I, I want to say is Rosenthal reported, I think it was Rosenthal, uh, he said it seems like the Jemai Jones has really fallen out. His stock has gone way down uh, because the Angels have messed him up so badly. So it could be that the Angels have called around and said, hey, how about we throw Jemai in this trade? And, you know, the Pirates said, we don't want Jemai, like, he can't even play for you. How's he supposed to play for us? So uh, it definitely could have been something like that where he, his stock has just been that far um, killed. Yeah. And Brock, do you have any two cents on this before we get on to, I guess we have a little bit more news. Do you have anything else, Brock? No. I mean, I just, you know, saying the same thing I have been is seeing how everything's going to play out. You know, we can think one thing, think one thing or think we're going one way and, and ends up going the other. And, you know, I kind of just hold my breath until, you know, opening day and see the rotation, the bullpen, and the lineup that we have sending out there. And that's kind of just where I sit every year because everything could just go so far different than what you would expect it to or what the reporters think. Like I saw an article a couple weeks ago where, you know, it was one of those MLB ones where the experts predict where free agents are going to sign. And like literally eight of the nine predicted Bauer was going to come to us. And so, you know, obviously there's a lot of general consensus around uh, baseball fans and baseball experts of how things are going to go. And, you know, even the so-called experts predict things wrong all the time. So it's borderline impossible to really know or or predict what's going to be your opening day roster. And so at this point, I just hope that we're not done. I think that we have more in us and I hope already kind of caps us out if not more and we can at least get something out there that's produces somewhat nice of a product yep i agree with you and i think that it's not done i think we're going to see more and more as we get closer and closer here to everything and yeah you know i think we've uh, kind of nailed down this whole alex cobb trade and 
could be good, could be bad. You know, only time will I, tell. I actually do have one more thing, though. I Go was, for it. it was interesting. I was looking at fan graphs, and I don't know if you're familiar with how they do the familiar or similarity points for, for certain pitchers. And uh, I was looking at Alex Cobb, and I thought this was interesting. The number third-ranked similarity score with Alex Cobb was actually uh, Marcus Stroman, which I thought was interesting because I wouldn't have – guess that i i don't you know i'm not super familiar with how accurate those similarity scores are um but i just thought that was that was an interesting piece of information and something that you know i am and maybe uh listeners and you guys can dig deeper into and see if there's uh potential similarities there and up on uh, an upside for him to be somewhat similar to what marcus stroman has produced yeah no it's 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 exactly like you you said it could possibly be an A-plus trade. It really could be. And getting somebody out of Baltimore, because, I mean, myself as being a former player, and Nate as well, and Brock, you I know you played at some point as well, but getting out of a bad situation makes you better. A whole heck of a lot better. You know, getting out of that bad situation in Baltimore, where, honestly, Baltimore might win 30 games this year. Like, I could be totally wrong, but they may lose the most games in baseball history like you look at what they have to play in the east it's unbelievable like they I I don't I just can't see it like they have an okay rotation of young guys like there are some interesting pieces in there but getting out of Baltimore where they haven't been able to produce pitching like think about the guys also in the past who they had that were quote-unquote top prospects Bundy uh Kevin Gosman Zach Britton um actually Britton became pretty good with them but there's been a whole list of guys uh yeah harvey uh hunter harvey uh brian mattis i mean the list goes on of guys that they haven't been able to produce pitching wise and that have gone different places dylan bundy kevin gosman and have been good so not saying that you know alex cobb is going to become a cy young award winner with the angels but i would expect him to be a little bit better than being in that Really bad situation in Baltimore, in my opinion. That's. I mean, it's pretty crazy that Dylan Bundy was potentially, arguably, a top five pitcher in the American League last year, and I don't think any of us would have expected that. But real quick, looking at, I think the similarity that that mainly they pull for Stroman and uh, Cobb is the high ground ball percentage because Stroman has a fifty eight percent career ground ball percentage, so that might be where they're they're kind of pulling that from. Yeah, similar, similar. I think Stroman throws that two seam. Uh, the two seam mm-hmm. sinker. Cobb has that two seam sinker. You know they're both kind of funky with their uh, their wind ups and everything. So I, I see a similarity there. I really do. I love Stroman. Stroman's one of my favorite pitchers in baseball. I think honestly, if you ask any pitcher, I think Nate included, he's one of the like fan favorites in baseball in general. I, I love what Stroman does. So I could see the similarities. I, really like I do. Him too. Yeah, I, 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 I love him. Stroman guy. Yeah, huge Stroman guy. Can I love sign him. him next year, dude. I hope so. That'd be that'd be a lot of fun. I like I said, I love Stroman. Any Anybody you talk to loves Stroman. They they really do. And it's it's a he's a great, you know, human being. He's a great guy on social media. He's just a, I think a good clubhouse presence as well. And I know we're kind of just going off here on a little bit of a tangent, but yeah, I, I absolutely love Stroman. I think he's one of my favorite pitchers in baseball when it's when it's all said and done. But I want to get on to some other news, I guess, a little bit of news. Angel signed Junior Guerra to a minor league deal. I know we're jumping from like an actual starting major leaguer to junior Guerra to a minor league deal. And we're going to go back up. We'll talk about when we think spring training is going to start here in a second. But guys, any little note on junior Guerra? I know Nate, I talked to you last night about it. And you're like, I don't even know he, he signed with the angels played with 
the Diamondbacks over the past couple years. Another guy that you know could start a little bit. Twenty actually in, with the Brewers in 2016, his best year he put up a 2.3 F4. In 2018, he put up a 1.5 F4. And so I mean, there's some a little bit of upside there, but again, I mean nothing nothing too crazy. Other than I mean, last year he had a 3.04 ERA in 25 games out of the bullpen for the Diamondbacks. So. Another kind of high upside type of guy. Anybody have any two cents on Junior Guerra? Yeah, I mean, I, I like that. I don't think that they plan on trying to throw him in the rotation. But, um, I mean, 2020 kind of shows the potential upside that he can have in the bullpen, throwing an almost sub-3 ERA in 25 games and 23.2 innings pitched, uh, seven, basically an 8K9 and a 50% ground ball percentage. So I think we're kind of starting to see a trend that uh, – Manassians like in the high ground ball percentage guys that kind of play with our our defense and I think that that's honestly a fairly good strategy to do you know necessarily I, I think Bauer if I'm not mistaken does not have anywhere close to a 50% ground ball percentage I might be totally wrong and I'll look that up as I'm speaking but um, I, I think that that's a pretty good strategy to go you know you gotta you gotta get pieces that kind of fit the tool that you have in the toolbox and if you're kind of contradicting what you have put out there then it kind of defeats the purpose of of the moves that you're making and uh so i mean that's just kind of where i sit with it it's it doesn't seem yeah so bauer has a 41 percent ground ball percentage so it's 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 up there but um you know definitely you know 50 percent. that's that's a pretty crazy total career number to have is literally half the time that somebody's making contact with the ball, they're they're grounding out, and that's or ground ball. And I think that that's super important when we have, you know, in my opinion, a, a, a top five, maybe even a top three infield defense in baseball, depending on who's playing first. And uh, you know, so hopefully, you know, we start throwing those kind of guys out there, and it plays well with us. Brock, one question. I know you're looking stuff up. I'll ask Nate here in a, in a second. Nate or uh, Brock, I want you to look up Jake Odorizzi and James Paxton ground ball percentage. And Nate, give us, do you have any thoughts on Junior Guerra? Yeah, I, just with Junior, the only thing I would say is uh, his walk percentage is a little high for me. Uh, maybe he, uh, if we could get the walks down, he, he's quality piece out of the bullpen, but uh, one of those guys where if one of your your actual like Felix Pena type guys get hurt, uh, wouldn't be the worst thing to see him step up, but uh, I don't see him as a an actual bullpen piece um, to start the season. Yeah, no, I, I I agree with you on that as well. Junior Guerra, minor league signing, nothing. I mean, it's always good to have depth like that, and it's good to see the Angels sign guys that have had past histories of being decent in a sense, like not guys that we've never even heard of that like play defense really well in the minor leagues or have a high exit velocity in the minor leagues. Like, no guys that have a decently good track record. You know, Jacob Faria, again, another guy that has a decently good track record. The Angels got him on a minor league deal. Junior Guerra here, the Angels got him in a minor league deal with a nice track record. And, you know, it'll, it'll, it'll be interesting to see what happens. Brock, did you look those numbers up for me? Yeah, so I have Odorizzi here. Uh, or are we talking career or just last year or both? Uh, go both. What, what, do we, what do we have on those? All right, so for Odorizzi for 20, or you know what? I'm not going to count 2020. I'm going to go 2019. There you you go. cool with that? Yep. Okay, so 2019, Jake Odorizzi had a 35% ground ball percentage with a 3.51 ERA and a 4.3 WAR. Okay. 
total in his career, he has a 33.1% ground ball percentage, a 3.92 ERA, and a 13.5 WAR. Now, James does, Paxton. Does that change your mind on Odorizzi at all? Before we get to Paxton. Uh, not necessarily. I think, um, like I said, I, I think that you know you want to try to get pieces that fit, you know, the 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 kind of defense that you have. Like I just said, but at the same time, there are pitchers that exist. Uh, like I think Garrett Cole is one that they or no Justin Verlander, I believe, is the one I'm thinking of. That that uh, the last few years when he was elite, he was basically like strikeout home run, and so. But at the end of the day, when you look at his stats, it was, you know, I believe he gave it the most home runs in baseball the year that he placed top three in the Cy Young. And, you know, you wouldn't have expected that stat to be there. It's kind of a weird thing to think about. But, you know, if it plays, it plays. So I don't think it necessarily changed my mind. I think when it came down to it, I, I didn't really have a preference necessarily. When it came down to Paxton Odorizzi, I just had a preference of Bauer being there and then getting another backup piece. I don't think it was necessarily I preferred Paxton or Odorizzi over one another. Um, I think at the position we're in right now, I would still rather, I, I, I'm, I'd be happy with either personally. But when you do look at uh, Paxton's uh, ground ball percentage in comparison to Odorizzi, last year, we'll say 2019, it has gone down significantly. Uh, if you look at when he was with the Mariners, his highest percentage was 59%. And that was his rookie year in 2013. And it progressively has gone down literally to a T. Every single year it's gone down. And 2019 was his last full year with 150 innings. He had 38.4% ground ball percentage with a 3.82 ERA and a 3.5 war. And career, he has uh, 136 games started, 44.7% ground ball percentage, 3.58 ERA and a 17.5 war. Yeah. So it is a little bit concerning that literally 2013 he was at 60% and now he's at 32% if you count 2020, uh, 38% if you go back to his uh, last full year. But that is a little bit concerning that it literally it hasn't even been inconsistent. It's consistently gone down significantly every single season. I think that has to do a lot with swing changes as well. When you look at when he first came up, hitting the ball in the air was just kind of a thought process at the at that time and that now we've true. yeah we've now we've seen everybody going and hitting the ball in the air and i bet if we look at heat maps every year the fastball percentage has slightly gone up in the zone every single year i could totally be wrong i really could however if you do look at Odorizzi's, hmm. he started in 2012 uh we'll we'll call it 2014 because he only threw 30 innings in 13 and 7 innings in 12 so we'll yeah. call it 2014 so one year later than paxton did and he started with a 29 went up to 37 36 30 28 35 35 yeah so he might be a little bit lower career wise but he's been more consistent around that 30 to 35 range yeah and i don't know what the factors are on that it could be what the (laughs) what the mariners and what the yankees did pitch selection wise for him and where they wanted him to throw the ball whether that's up in the zone or something like that. And swing paths probably have something to do with it as well. So, Nate, do you have any two cents on it? Yeah, the, the thing that I would say with uh, Paxton would be Velo. His Velo went down a lot last couple of years. Yeah. I know when they got him, he was a 97-plus guy. Mm-hmm. Then the Yankees got him, he was like a 95 guy. And then last year, he was down to 88. So, 
there could be an injury thing. It could just be his velo. Um, he need to work on his mechanics and stuff. Um, but that would play a huge role into hitting the ball on the ground and hitting the ball in the air as well. So I would prefer Paxton to Odorizzi just because I think at Paxton's best, Paxton's a guy who could go deep into ball games. At Odorizzi's best, he's a five inning guy. And I don't think we need more five inning guys. And I actually agree now that you brought that up, now that you said that you had a preference and Jared kind of brought it up who I'd prefer. Now that we're in the position that we're in, I'm going to go out and say that I'd prefer Paxton over Odorizzi. And the only reason I, I have a couple reasons why I'm saying that I back to what Nate said, I agree with everything he just said. So that's one reason. Another reason is I think uh, I would like another lefty in our bullpen. I think that, or not our bullpen, our starting rotation. I think that would be nice to have Quintana and Paxton as lefties in our hand. So we're looking at three lefties in our rotation. I think that's, that plays really nicely, especially when a very overwhelming majority of starting pitchers are right-handed. I think that that's kind of something cool to have in our rotation that gives us that diversity. Yeah, and the short and porch also, and right in the short porch and right field, you set up less yes. lefties and right and against in the short porch at home. Yes, and on top of that, um, I think that the way that I want to go about these next couple off seasons, I think I would rather sign Paxton to maybe even potentially a one year deal especially since he's kind of coming off of an injury a couple years older than Odorizzi, I would be happier signing Paxton to like a one year 12 to 14, which I think is overpaying. Um, I think he would probably be more around the $10 million range, which I think would play very nicely with the amount of money that we have remaining and still allow us some flexibility to sign an outfielder too. So I think I would like Paxton for say one year, 10 million that way. Um, the following off season after that, we kind of have that more flexibility to add the bigger names like a Stroman, a Cindergaard, uh, Javi, uh, Seeger, etc. Those kind of names out there that I think, you know, we signed Odorizzi. His upside is fairly minimal over Paxton, you know, at his maximum. And I think it would be kind of annoying to have Odorizzi for two to three years paying him 14 around 14 million and then kind of have that money tied up to not be able to have that flexibility for the bigger names next off season. Yep. No, I like everything about it. And I honestly, I just kind of sat back there and I, I felt like Derek there. That was kind of nice. Let you guys, let you guys hash it out a little bit. I didn't really have to say too much. It's, it's kind of fun to sit back and let, you know, two other guys talk about, talk about and discuss this whole thing. And I, I like giving my two cents. So I really like this combination we have going on here. It's, it's, it's been a lot of fun. And before we get going, final thoughts. I'll ask the final. I just have a question for both of you guys. And it can be a simple yes or no because I don't look into it that much. I really don't. I just kind of hope everything plays it out. Do we get spring training at normal at the normal time? And do we get 162 games? Nate, I'll start with you. You can give just simple yes and no's. Anything works. I would just say yes to both. I think you get a, a straight 162. And I would. I would say you're going to get close to the normal spring training. It'll probably start maybe a week late, but it'll be very close to, to typical. Yep. Yeah, I agree with you there. Brock, you on the same vote there? Yes. Yes, I'm on the same. And just very quickly, uh, since we brought up Paxton's uh, velocity, uh, I don't know. I'm sure everybody, at least you two, had seen it. But uh, for any listeners out there concerned with Paxton's potential velocity drop, they reported in late December when he was throwing bullpens in front of scouts that he was reaching 94. Now, whether that 94 is sustainable over five or six innings, probably not. 
but just the fact that he's hitting 94 once again and seems that he's coming back healthy from the forearm injury that he had, uh, that's, that's it's hopeful. So, But, yeah, no, I think we're going to be starting on time, like Nate said, maybe a week or two at the max later, and I think that we are getting 162 games. And to even add on top of your question, I kind of, which I don't know how you would feel about this, but I kind of want expanded playoffs to be back. I kind of liked it, how it played out. I think it was interesting. And I think it would be even cooler with the full 162 games to kind of allow those extra couple teams to maybe even fight their way even further down the totem pole than a normal wildcard team would and uh, see if they can make the fight all the way to the end. I think that would be kind of sick. Yeah, let's save that for next podcast. I had somebody bring that up to me on Instagram asking if they if we like the Universal DH and expanded playoffs. We can talk about that next time. I forgot who it was that asked us, but thank you for for that. It was a great topic idea, and we'll, we'll get going on that next time. We'll get into all of that stuff. So, And I will be posting a poll probably as soon as we get off of here uh, to get the consensus amongst our listeners for the Alex Cobb trade as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. Go do that. Brock. What's yes. up? And Brock, on the uh, 94 for Paxton, for him to be at 94 in December is very, very important because I think if you watch Trevor Bowers, his first pen back, he was 89. So if he's hit 94 in December, that, that could actually mean he's closer to 96, 97 when he's actually ready to go. So that could be very very good sign. Yep. Yeah. And not to that. not to float my own boat. I just worked with Garrett Cole and he was hitting like 86 to 87, <laughs> touched 89. Not to float my not to float my own boat, but I was just kind of working this with Garrett guy. Cole. I was just working with Garrett Cole a little bit. So Was he at was he at Orange Coast or what? No, nah, he was at uh, uh, at our home field over in Fullerton. I'm not going to name any names or anything like that, but it was a lot of fun working with him. I just just again not to float my own boat and I just want to throw that one out there. They're not Orange Coast. What am I saying? The freaking the college that he that he went to in Orange. What is it called? Uh, Orange Lutheran. He went to Orange, Orange Lutheran High School. And he went to UCLA, yep. Like, or high Mason. school. I meant high school. Sorry. God, yeah. I can't speak. That's <laughs> no, all good. All right, guys. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. Uh, Brock, where can we find you on Twitter? Uh, BDROX8. Nate Green, where can we go find you on Twitter so we can blame you for everything? <laughs> at NateGreen34. Awesome. You can find me on Twitter at Jared underscore Tim's. Guys, and also, please go follow us on all social medias. Uh, Tell a friend about our podcast, and again, if you want to come on and join us for Talking Fans, shoot any of us a message. We'll would love to have you on and talk a little bit of Angels baseball. So, guys, thank you so much, and have a great rest of your day. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.